most people only know that occasionally there are reports from politicians stating that huge percentages of children can't read beyond the basic level. Sounds pretty bad, but they actually have no idea what basic level means. If you look at the basic level, you'll see that it's actually what people would think of as normal literacy. Literacy isn't what it once was. The definitions of literacy that have, have dominated schooling for a long time are no longer adequate. You know, we're in a highly networked information age. So the nature of literacy is changing and our assessment practices have to change with it. Hello, welcome to Reading Radio. I'm William Harvey. Peter, thanks so much for joining us today. And for the person who's listening but who's not involved in reading instruction, can you tell us exactly what you mean when you use the terms standards and assessment? Well, let me be clear to start with that um, these standards we're talking about in literacy, not just reading, but literacy more broadly. For assessment, um, often people think about assessment as tests, but really they're a set of social practices. For example, in the classroom, teachers observe children's literate behavior, their reading, their writing, and they give feedback to the uh, student and the focus of the feedback and the manner in which the teacher provides the feedback, for example, you know, the balance of affirmation and critique actually makes a difference to the children's learning. So um, you know, teachers are constantly assessing and making instructional decisions throughout the day, but it's not different for accountability testing. You know, that also affects relationships. So for example, they change the accountability testing or change the relationship between teachers and students and among teachers and between teachers, between the school and, and the public. So they'll also, the high stakes testing will affect the teacher's focus and the nature of the interactions the teacher has with students. So it's always a set of social practices. As for standards, our intention was really to provide uh, guidance for people who are making decisions about assessment practices in the language arts from classroom teachers, uh, to, to superintendents, and secretaries of education. So our view was that it's probably time to hold our assessment practices to some reasonable standards. Now, with the current national and international spotlight on standards, it's really important for us to understand why the release of the newly revised Standards for the Assessment of Reading and Writing is so important at this particular time. Well, yes. Nationally, standards really are in the spotlight, aren't they? Also, accountability, and they tend to go together in the way they're talked about in this country. But I'm not so sure about internationally. That's a slightly different question. But I think we often forget that the purpose of standards, the way they're talked about here, is to ensure the highest quality teaching and learning. So that's, in the end, the bottom line. And countries vary enormously in how they approach this problem and how they invoke the idea of standards. Britain, for example, has been shifting from high-stakes accountability and standards to improving ongoing classroom assessment. They've focused on the moment-to-moment, day-to-day assessment where teachers inform students about learning and the students inform teachers about learning. And they've uh, done quite a bit of research, and there's a good deal of research done in this country, that that's where the real change is. If you want to improve the quality of teaching and learning, that's the place to go. We also forget, I think, that there are lots of different ways of approaching this problem of you know improving teaching and learning. For example, Finland routinely does very well on international assessments. Their strategy is to um, value teachers and teacher education very highly and require teachers to get master's degrees before they begin teaching. In Finland, there are seven times as many applicants as places in teacher education programs. They don't value accountability testing. There's actually trust in the professional learning community. So these are actually very different ways of going about 
the issue that standards is intended to address. And I mention these because we often neglect to consider other countries and what their assessment practices might say to us about possibilities and about our own practices. Now, these standards were produced by a joint task force of the International Reading Association and the National Council of Teachers of English. You've made a very important reference to the quality of teaching and learning. So can you help us understand what these standards say about the role of the various stakeholders beyond students and teachers? We all have a shared responsibility for improving education, not just educators and students, but administrators, policymakers, educational researchers, the media. And uh, we should approach assessment with that in mind. But I think there are requirements that make this possible, the collaborative responsibility possible. There are certain relationships among the stakeholders that are important. In particular, there has to be a measure of trust and respect. And there's an excellent study by Tony Brick and Barbara Schneider of the role of community trust in school quality in Chicago public schools. They actually support, I think, what John Dewey's view was that a good elementary school is more like a family than a factory, secondary schools too, and we shouldn't just value the social relations of schooling as a means of producing learning or producing test scores. They're actually part of what children learn, and our assessment strategies strongly influence those relationships in schools. So another requirement, I think, is that the stakeholders should be well-educated about learning and literacy and assessment and the possible alternatives uh, so that we can imagine how things might be rather than how they are. Uh, Let me give an example of this. Um, In this country, we have a a national assessment system, the NAEP, National Assessment of Educational Progress. It's supposed to give us a picture of the state of education nationally. Well, most people only know that occasionally there are reports from politicians stating that huge percentages of children can't read beyond the basic level. Sounds pretty bad, but they actually have no idea what basic level means. And if you look at the basic level, you'll see that it's actually what people would think of as normal literacy. But I think there are other models, for example, in New Zealand, and we use this example in in the standards uh, document, they have a, a national educational monitoring project called NIMP, National Educational Monitoring Project. And it's just like the American NAEP, they only assess a small sample of children and each child being assessed only takes a small sample of the test items. But the test items are very different. For example, they want to know how children perform collaborative literate tasks as well as individual ones. For example, one item that struck me as interesting is for fourth grade children, they get a group of four children and they have a little stack of books and they're to act as the library committee. And individually, then collectively, they review a set of books and decide which ones the library should buy. The children are videotaped as they do this and scored on a rubric. So the idea is that that sort of activity is something that the public should prize in education and they should know how children are doing. So then they release these items, they release over half of the items, so the public sees exactly what the item is and how different groups of children performed on that item. So they, when the public sees the data, they don't just see a percentage of something or other, they see this is the task and this is how the groups of children performed on it. Peter, would you please take this analysis one step further for us? Tell us specifically, what are the main ideas you want educators to take away from reading these standards? One of the things we wanted to get across was that literacy isn't what it once was. The definitions of literacy that have have dominated schooling for a long time are no longer adequate. You know, we're in a highly networked information age. Most businesses and most activities in society require new technologies, and the new technologies require new literacies to fully engage their potential. 
So we can't have assessment systems that actually drag our students and education system backwards. So the nature of literacy is changing and our assessment practices have to change with it. Another thing I'd stress again is that assessment is always a social practice. So we can't just think about the instruments, you know, like tests and rubrics. We have to think about the practices within which those are used. In our view, I think quality assessment should always be a process of inquiry. Um, and the primary goal, I think, we sometimes forget is improving teaching and learning. And I think that's an important thing um, people should take away from this. Could you tell us what are the practical implications of the standards for classrooms, schools, and education policy? We actually hope the document will be used as a foundation for discussions about literacy assessment among the stakeholders and as a, a basis for decision-making about assessment. You know, we hope that the standards will be used for judging the qualities of our assessment systems um, and um, making decisions about where to put our priorities and, and also for expanding our imagination about um, how to approach the problem of improving the quality of teaching and learning. I think that the standards make particularly clear that we need to think through the consequences of our assessment practices. For example, you know, we should monitor the impact of accountability processes on the continuing motivation of the various participants and their relationships with one another. I think when we contemplate accountability processes in classrooms and in communities, we should have in mind a goal to uh, think about the kind of information that will inform and motivate improvements in teaching and learning, and also the circumstances that will enable teachers and students to, oh, and community members, to make productive use of the information. That sounds like an excellent note for us to conclude on. Peter, thanks so very much for being with us today. You've been listening to Reading Radio. I'm William Harvey. Thanks for joining us. This program is produced by Jack Street Media as part of the Affiliate Nanocasting Network. Thanks for listening.